everybody. Welcome back to another great episode of Heart in the Paint podcast, the NBA podcast where we ask the hard questions about the wonderful world of basketball. I am your host, Matt, and I'm joined again by none other than Michael. And today we've got a great show for you on this wonderful Friday. We'll go over the Eastern and Western Finals games from this week so far. Uh, we'll also talk about the All-NBA teams that have been announced and we'll go over some interesting trades that may or may not occur this offseason with the Portland backcourt and the Washington backcourt. And then we might do some uh, little shenanigans here at the end. But uh, that is the schedule for today. And why don't we just hop right into it? So let's start with, uh, let's start with the Western games from this week. So the big news was... Andre Iguodala going down with a knee injury a couple games ago and how much that impacts Golden State. So what is... I'm, I think he's a huge deal to that team. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I think Iggy uh, going down cost him games four and five. And uh, the problem was uh, CP3 is down now too. So this... Uh, this game between these juggernauts in the West is just coming down to like a slugfest um, to see whose bench really is is deeper, and Houston's got the edge in that department. But yeah, I'd agree. Houston definitely uh, has the think? more well-rounded bench. I think uh, it's also interesting that Chris Paul has already been ruled out for Game Six. Got a similar hamstring injury to what he had. I think uh, it might have been last year, or the year before. And uh, that is not a great sign for him. It seems like these past couple playoff runs, he just keeps getting injured. So a little bit of a damper on his his legacy right there. Uh, another cool part about this, though, is the kind of ultra-short Houston lineup that might result as a response to this. Without CP3, maybe they play Harden, Eric Gordon, Tucker, and Ariza. And then maybe like Gerald Green or something. Yeah, I mean that'd be that'd be insane. Um, Capella had a really nice game yesterday, though. I think um, it also kind of keeps Draymond kind of loaded down in the paint area. Uh, I don't know. I like to see uh, maybe like a vet like Joe Johnson. I, f- I feel like Joe Johnson's game could travel. He might not have the legs. I think give him like seven to eight minutes. Put in a couple threes. It is. I'd love to close see some Joe Johnson. That'd be amazing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just – it'd be really frustrating for Houston if Harden continues to shoot so poorly and no CP3. Um, and maybe Golden State wins game six anyway. So maybe you go back to Houston for game seven. But then it's like, what happens then? I mean, if he – Going to keep struggling? Is Steph going to keep kind of tossing the ball away? I don't know. Yeah, it was crazy that last game, I think Harden went 0 for 11 from 3. And that was just pure insanity to me, that you can have your best player shoot that poorly and still, still win the game, win a close game at that. Yeah, Maybe. but he was playing defense. That's true. More <laughs> the first time ever. <laughs> I think, you know, that game came down to just a handful of possessions, and it felt like, it almost felt like the old Warriors, where it was like loosey-goosey and, you know, not really disciplined at all. And then surprisingly, Kevin Durant's been a little bit of a letdown here with what you'd think would be his easiest series he's had thus far since no one's really his height on the other team. Yeah, I mean, he should be... The they've been they've been playing him in ISO uh, a lot, but I think the pushback by Tucker and Ariza and just the constant kind of one guy on him, one guy kind of spying on him from kind of uh, the the baseline, I think is really helping out Houston. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this uh, West showdown is going to go. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to like the outcome. Um, I'll pull for Houston, but uh, let's flip it uh, to the East Coast. Uh, what have you seen in games four and five in the uh, 
Eastern Conference Finals. I'm really excited to see this next game. It, it's been, you know, home team wins their home games. And it's been very solid performances, really, in terms of those home games. Except for the recent one that was pretty close. But And it's true that Boston's games really having a hard time traveling. So it's great that they have the record advantage. So they get the home court. And Tatum's just, gosh, he, he I'm more and more a fan of him the more I see him play in these playoff games. He really looks the like Duke. the steal of the draft. He's from Duke. It's hard to yeah. be a Duke fan, um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, is this one of the times where we're going to see LeBron in Cleveland? I mean, there's so much at stake just in terms of big picture. I mean, uh, you know, the West kind of has, you know, Dynasty Talk with Golden State. You got CP3 Harden. Here you got LeBron, you know. Can LeBron actually keep this going? Can he resurrect what has historically been a pretty much a dead franchise, right? I mean, Cleveland was awful before he was drafted in 03. They were awful in the four-year uh, span where he was in Miami. Like, there, there's Cleveland just isn't good without LeBron. And this might be the last time that they have him. But likewise, with so many injuries out in the West, maybe LeBron actually has a pathway to the finals. Maybe he actually wins the title. I mean, what did that just trade and put it in a whole new light? But uh, I don't know. It's uh, Boston, if they can just get half of their game to travel, they'll be all right. Um, because Cleveland has shown no signs of life. Uh, LeBron, Kevin Love, and Kyle Korver, and and Thompson on the boards. I'm I'm very excited to see LeBron with his back to the wall because recently, I think the last time he's really had this much conflict in the playoffs was the 15-16 year where Kyrie and Love went out, and all he had was Delvadova and Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith. Uh, and I love seeing LeBron's brain work when he is just backed into this impossible corner. And he, I mean, that was the year where he was leading in every statistical category throughout like the entire playoffs. So it'll be so fun to see how that shakes up this next game. I think this next game, JR might really take off. He hasn't really had a game yet, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see for sure. Cool, yeah. Uh, got any Game 6 predictions in either conference? Game 6, I'll start with Boston-Cleveland. I think Cleveland wins it at home. I think Jared gets like 20-some points. I think Kevin Love oh, wow. makes makes uh, 18 and 12. I think Tristan Thompson gets like six offensive boards. I think it will be like a, a last-year Cavs showing. Nice. Get LeBron some rest. Yeah, and then I think in terms of Houston Golden State, oh boy, Golden State's at home, so I got to give it to them. But man, uh, without Chris Paul, you know, Houston had that advantage with Andre going out and Steph not being 100%. But without Chris Paul, I'm having a real hard time seeing how he win this series. Yeah, I think I'm going to roll the dice and say Houston in six. I'm going to go with their, uh, they're going to clean it up. I think these problems in Golden State are a little bit deeper than uh, just turnovers. And it's bad offense. And bad offense is, I don't know if it can be fixed. Uh, Cleveland, Boston. I was like the Cavs. I like, uh, I like this idea of uh, Boston's game not being able to travel and Cleveland maybe stepping up at home. Uh, speaking of Boston, little short here on the uh, all-NBA list. Uh, any insights as to why? Like a team that might be going to the finals might not have a player on the all-NBA list? You know, that's a great question. I feel like there would be a player on this list if either of those players were actually playing for more than half the season. If there was an all-Ricky list, I'm 100% Tatum would be on there, but... Uh... We have no Boston representatives. 
not even in the uh the lower tier voting records i mean even porzingis got one vote even dwight howard got one vote not a single vote for any of our boys in green uh horford got 32 votes and uh Kyrie got some votes but or forgot 32. Uh, oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I didn't see that. I think the two of the interesting parts of this is you can almost see how the MVP conversation breaks down with Harden and James got 100% first team votes. Then Anthony Davis got 96 first team and four second team. And those are really yeah. your big three mm-hmm. in that conversation. Yeah, I think the uh, the current thing is uh, when you look at the first and second teams, I don't know who I'd rather take the uh, uh, the first team or the second team. The uh, the uh, five for the uh, first team are LeBron, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, and Kevin Durant. And on the second team, you got Giannis, Russell Westbrook, Embiid, Marcus Aldridge, and Demar Derozan. Uh, It'd be a pretty fun matchup. I actually kind of wish maybe they would have this uh, like scrimmage game, but um, I don't know. There's been a lot of controversy with Lillard getting onto first team instead of uh, maybe second or third. Uh, personally, I don't have a problem with that. I think he should edge DeRozan just because DeRozan has a slightly better team. Uh, but what's your takeaway? Anyways, uh... Everyone thought his team would be a lot better, obviously. He still averaged a triple-double, but their record wasn't that great, I guess, is the only argument I see. Maybe a more efficient offense, too. But other than that, maybe that's the only one I swap in and out. Yeah, I think it's been one of the more clear-cut. Even at every tier, like first team, second team, third team, probably one of the more, uh, you know, kind of... Unanimous. Well, I don't want to say unanimous, but uh, I don't see any gripes with this. Um, I think the really interesting thing is uh, Anthony Davis, uh, first team, uh, first team all defense, uh, MVP conversation, and defensive player of the year. I mean, this might be the start of peak AD, you know. Hey, at least if you're Jimmy Butler, you got one first team all NBA vote. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Even though you made the third team. <laughs> I think the honorable mention here is Trevor Reza also got votes. Yeah, I mean, it was always going to be hard on that Houston team with uh, Eric Gordon, uh, Reza, I mean, Capella. There's just so many guys that are chipping in. I, I don't have too many qualms with this. I'm I'm pretty comfortable. I feel like, a, okay, let's say you have the first team versus the second team versus the third team. How do you think that would break down? Ooh. Uh, I think the third team just gets wiped out. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to trust in Paul George with the ball on anything right now. Uh, Carl and the Towns got thoroughly outplayed uh, in the playoffs. Um First team, second team, I don't know. Harden and LeBron both look a little tired right now. Uh, I might actually take Russell Westbrook, Giannis, you know, pick and roll all game. That team really can't shoot threes, though, man. That's a <laughs> – you got three non-three-point shooters on one team. But is Russ angry enough to take on KD? And you know Embiid is just like – would destroy Lillard on a post-up. I'd love to see Giannis and Embiid together. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, I mean, with Embiid not being on first team, he might uh, lose out about $30 million in any kind of contract extension negotiations. So uh, was, uh, that second team placement really uh, might cost Embiid down the line. Same with Paul George. I think most people expected him to be probably second team lock this year, but... Again, he's underperformed. That's going to be a pretty decent paycheck that he's missing out on. Yeah, I think he pretty much decided by uh, all-star break to uh, coast his way out of OKC and to the West Coast. I would agree with you on that sentiment. So why don't we move on to our hot topic of the first part of this episode, and that would be 
what are we going to do with the Portland backcourt this offseason? We've got first-team All-NBA candidate and all-star snub Damian Lillard and his counterpart to the Mamas Bro duo, C.J. McCollum. This was a pretty decent team this year in the regular season. They were third in the West, but they lost in the first round of the Pelicans in a, I think, what most people expected to be a six to seven game series, but they just got swept. Uh, Lillard has been averaging about 27 points per game, uh, four and a half rebounds, six and a half assists. And CJ has been doing 21, four and three respectively. Uh, both of them getting better efficiency-wise, better three-point shooting, and both of them young and on the probably what most would consider the first year or two of their prime. The bad part is they have some huge contracts, so fill us in on these contract numbers. Uh, yeah, so Lillard is on contract until the summer of 2021, uh, getting paid between 26 and $32 million a year. So uh, not chump change. And I think a bit surprisingly, uh, CJ McCollum on the same contract timeline, uh, slightly less than the dollars, uh, more in the range of $25 million. But um, this is still two big heavy contracts for a backcourt, which is a little undersized. Um, it hasn't performed so far on the patients. Um as well as both having a little bit of an injury history. Um, and so uh, what do you think their value uh, is out in the market, Matt? I think the main problem with Portland was they got this nice little home group of the Mamas boys. CJ McCollum, I think he won most improved player a couple years back. Dame being just a great pick ever from the, from the start since his rookie year. You know, they had that one great year with LMA, and then there was a little bit of a lull, but they came back being almost the counterpart to Steph and Clay in the West. There was that one playoff series where it looked like they, they stood a chance in terms of offensive game, but they really have a lack at the small forward spot, which has really been their number one problem in the, in the playoffs and even in the regular season. In terms of where they go with these huge contracts uh, for this long amount of time, there isn't a whole lot of teams that can really make room for that. And they're both max players, I would think. McCollum, maybe you could say is a little bit less, but he's really coming to his own as a as a player. So where where do you think these guys go? Where do you like the best? Uh, I think the best option for both players is to stay in Portland, keep the back backcourt nice and tight. You got a good coach. Uh, you got some pieces already on the roster in Nurkic and Zach Collins and Connaughton. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like the the small forward spot, which is usually in the NBA right now, one of the easier spots to fill. Um, I think that's really what they need. I think they desperately need um, someone more like Trevor Ariza who can kind of play the, the three game, which kind of complements uh, Lillard and McCollum, as well as providing some defense because uh, being undersized, those guards are going to get uh, beat up in the playoffs, which is what we kind of saw from Drew Holiday and Rondo. Um, so I like both being in Portland uh, but who knows with the NBA? I mean, if you're not winning, then you're basically out the door. Yeah, and that's what makes that sweep even harder to swallow. They didn't even get beat by a 3 and D small forward or an offensive small forward. They just got beat by a point guard duo. Um, and, I mean, what are you going to tout out next year? Evan Turner or Mo Harkless? Like, the, neither of those sound great. Nurkic is up for renewal, so that... Could be a sign that he can move the pieces. That would probably be in my number one indicator, though, if they plan on staying, keeping the team together, is if they reassign Nurkic. And honestly, probably staying in Portland makes the most sense to me, too. But if they had to go somewhere, where do you think? Uh, so there's a couple teams uh, that I would say might make a move, uh, especially with Lillard being 
uh, first team All NBA value, uh, but I think he's the one that actually stays. Uh, I think Dallas Mavericks uh, might be interested in a move. Uh, maybe you flip Harrison Barnes uh, and maybe picks or maybe another roster piece. Um, I think Harrison Barnes uh, four, uh, pretty good at that small forward position. I mean, he's no Kevin Durant, but um, he does have a huge swath of playoff experience. Um, he's basically had his team in Dallas. Um, I think he's looking for a compliment uh, a little bit to his game. Um, and on the other side, I think Dallas going to have a little bit of an exciting, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. McCollum backcourt. Uh, still kind of small, but, man, they could probably uh, put up some points. Yeah, I, w I would agree with – I think Harrison Barnes would be an upgrade. However, is he worth McCollum? And does McCollum really fit the Dallas timetable? They've Dallas has this weird spot where they could kind of just dump everything and be a contender. I mean, what is, what is Dallas actually trying to do? I mean, they might not even have their coach uh, in a month. So I don't – I don't know what Dallas is really uh, trying to do. I think they're just trying to um, get back in the playoff content and maybe, you know, McCollum can kind of do that um, just from a, you know, a, a scoring point of view. We'll see. That'll be interesting for Dallas's perspective and maybe Dirk gets his last rad here. Who knows? However, you also suggest the Clippers as a spot. How does that shake out? Yeah, the yeah, the, uh, the Clippers are in the middle of all of this, right? I mean, they're at this perfect nexus of uh, all these trade rumors, despite not being relevant at all in this playoff picture, and yet the Clippers are already the storyline. Uh, I think with DeAndre, uh, that could be a good piece maybe to put with one of the guards. Um, but there's a lot of uh, different types of trades I could really uh, deal out here. Maybe um, DeAndre comes to Portland in exchange for some guards going to LA. Uh, DeAndre and Nurkic together, I think that probably kills you in the uh, um, efficiency categories. Um, and maybe, uh, you know, Portland should make a move for Patrick Beverly um, and the Clippers get CJ McCollum. Um, that could be a nice one too to punch with Lillard and Beverly. Uh, maybe LA uses McCollum as an extra piece to entice Kawhi or LeBron. Clippers um, are, you know, they're not uh, a bottom feeder team in the league. They just seem to kind of be in this uh, kind of bossy mentality where we're kind of rebuild, but at the same time also contend. And it's worked out for Boston. Um, you just signed Doc Rivers for an extension, contract extension. Um, so I think there is like a long-term plan here. Um, whether or not that involves Portland, uh, I'm not entirely sure. I think uh, getting McCollum in the mix is not a is definitely not a downgrade in any respect. Yeah, you know that's an interesting point. I, I like the idea of Patrick Beverly and McCollum on the same team because McCollum isn't the greatest offense runner and mm. he's not the greatest defensive man and neither is Lillard. So McCollum would kind of make up for the offense that Beverly would lack and Beverly make up for the defense that McCollum lacks. And Hey, if you got that Kawhi trade too, wouldn't be an awful team. I don't think it'd be, I don't think it'd be a contender, but it would be, you know, in that middle of the pack for, um, you know, the playoffs. And there's, they still have a lot of picks to give up. So who, who knows? They have a lot of different ways they can make a trade work. I'm just not sure they want to make this trade work. Yeah, I mean, I think for LA, I think they're the the bigger prize is definitely uh, uh, like a tier one star and uh, Kawhi or LeBron or uh, Paul George or you know, someone of that kind of height. But who knows? I mean, uh, crazier things have happened. Uh, speaking of crazy, let's move to the crazy of the NBA right now. Philly. Uh, Fultz. Um, 
Not sure what's going on with faults, but he might actually have some trade value. You know, should uh, Philly pull the trigger and dump faults already? What do you think, Matt? Oh, goodness. This is probably one of the biggest questions. We saw him play, like, very minimal minutes this year. <laughs> However, during that a little patch at the end of the season, he started getting some minutes after he came back from the injuries and whatnot. He didn't look awful. He looked like he could play a game, which I guess isn't saying a whole lot in terms of is he really even a top 10 pick in the draft right now? Because, geez, this, that looks like the yeah, ultimate but maybe, uh, right now. Yeah, maybe being in a smaller market like Portland kind of takes him out of the spotlight, you know, kind of allows him to uh, hone in his game, find his shot again, uh, you know, maybe learn from Lillard on how to put the ball in the basket, which he's somehow forgotten. I think to make the trade work, though, you you would want McCollum on the Sixers, right? Because you don't you don't really need another ball guard. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Lillard and Fultz in Portland and McCollum down in Philly, um, which might complement well with uh, Ben Simmons playing the point. You know, McCollum can do a lot of uh, off the ball, and then uh, you know, at times in the game we could have a McConnell McCollum. Backcourt, that'd be kind of sick. <laughs> yeah, you might, you probably have to lose JJ Redick <laughs> for that to happen, though. It should be a little bit of a shame, but uh, I like this next one you've proposed here, Miles Turner from Indiana somehow to get a nice backcourt duo with either Oladipo Lillard or Oladipo McCollum. Yeah, I think it's more likely that it would be. I think it'd be more likely that it's Oladipo McCollum since. The depot like the ball a little bit more, um, but there's been some. T- I, f- I feel like Miles Turner might have some value. I don't. I don't really know why. Um, but I think there's just such a lack of uh, players who can play at the five that Portland might just throw some money at it just to get Miles Turner to come, uh, even if that means shipping McCollum out. And McCollum Oladipo backcourt. You know, that's looking pretty good in the East, which uh, might not even have LeBron in two months. But I'm, uh, I'm nervous about that, know. though. Let's like, like, look how Andy was running their playoffs. They were running Collison with, with Oladipo still. So you take, you move Collison to the bench or something, you have Oladipo and McCollum. They kind of both do the same thing, you know? Yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, we kind of thought that with James Harden and CB3, uh, two guys like to hold the rock a lot. I mean, and they might be on the verge of a finals appearance. So uh, maybe in this kind of pace and space, especially with players wearing down, maybe it is better to have uh, almost like pseudo depth <laughs> at the guard position. That'd be interesting because I like Indiana's play calling style. I like. They're a lot. They're a lot smarter team than you than you'd think, and it would also take some pressure off Lance. I guess you could shorten his minutes maybe and not screw yourself sometimes. I like McCollum coming off screens for Oladipo driving kicks. That seems good. I like McCollum's not the worst on defense. They're both a little bit big compared to the average point guard, so. Uh, again, not bad. It's the money thing that makes it still kind of hard, though. Yeah, yeah, you're taking on a lot to deal with uh, with McCollum, especially because this contract isn't up until uh, the end of the 2021 season. So you've yeah, got to locked in. Yeah. Okay, and then yeah. and then for our hometown Hornets, <laughs> Kemba and McCollum backcourt. Now, how does this not how does this not work? Uh, I. I don't know. I think it just makes Charlotte exciting. I think I just want the Hornets to start back into uh, the East playoff uh, race. And uh, if there's one thing we've kind of seen, it's it's a good backcourt can kind of inject you there. Um, we saw that with Utah this past season. We've seen it with Washington, Houston. Uh, I mean, everything Golden State is, is based on this idea of a, a good, solid backcourt. So maybe Kemba McCollum 
maybe that's a Kemba there. Uh, maybe Michael Jordan will stumble upon it by luck instead of shipping out all the good players. I think the only way this works is if you trade Batum and Howard and you ditch Nurkic and you ditch yeah, I think, Bo Harkless. Yeah, the bigs have to go. <laughs> and you, I think you've got to throw a pick in there too just because McCollum's contract huge and Batum's is huge. Batum also was on Portland a couple years ago. So it wouldn't yeah. be unheard of for him to go back. At least he's got a lot of that team still there. So... And they do need a 3 and D small forward, which he does provide. Maybe it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's teams, a bit of a long so. shot. <laughs> I think it's a bit of a long shot, but uh, Michael Jordan, is, uh, he's a pretty terrible GM. I mean, he shipped out Rip Hamilton, I think like 10 months before uh, Rip and the uh, 04 Pistons won the title, so... Uh, maybe this might be the best thing for Lillard is to uh, get Batum <laughs> randomly. <laughs> I would love to see Kemba have another star perimeter player with him. I feel like he's this yeah, is I mean, his year to make a big jump. Yeah, I mean, Kemba's been an all-star. Um, he's a guy who's basically just never really had that kind of help. Um, so, I mean, maybe just a guy who can give him some points, kind of inject some offense, get the flow running. Yeah, that might that might be enough. All right, I got I got a handful of trades here to close this out. We're gonna do them rapid fire. So, I'll I'll give you the trade. You tell me yes or no. <laughs> All right, first up, we've got Lillard and Aminu trade for. Kevin Love and Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, you're nope. Not. <laughs> nope. Nope, not doing it. All right. We've got <laughs> Dame trade for Reddick and your next two first round picks. Ooh, that's oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, let's pull the trigger. The win let's now mode for, for the Sixers. Okay, okay. <laughs> Now, now I got some CJ ones here for you. So CJ McCollum for Chris Middleton and Delva Dova. Oh, I do not like. Uh, Chris Middleton is a good buck. I think he's I think he's just the right player for that team. Yeah, yeah, I, I think him and Giannis have have, have started to uh, get the chemistry right. Yeah, unfortunately, Bledsoe hasn't figured that out quite yet. All right, uh, back to Charlotte. CJ for Batum and Jeremy Lamb. Oh yeah, if I'm if I'm Charlotte, I'm definitely doing that. If I'm Portland, I'm definitely not. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, here's one that works out one for one. CJ McCollum goes to the Detroit Pistons for Blake Griffin. Uh, my only gripe is that Portland has suffered so many injuries in the past, and Blake Griffin is an injury monster. He's getting up there in age. Uh, and he's and he's weighted down by a lot of money, but um, that's the only reason why. I, maybe another forward, I would say yes, but not with uh, Griffin's injury problems. I like the position-wise, and I like the star power-wise, but yeah, you're absolutely right with the injuries. All right, two more. CJ McCollum goes to the Spurs for Rudy Gay and Tony Parker. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think I think from the Spurs I take that deal. If Parker uh, just walks this year, Manu walks, CJ fits yeah. right in. Yeah. And then there's a perfect one that will allude to our next segment right here. CJ McCollum straight up for Bradley Beal. Uh, I'm saying no. I'm saying no. I think Bradley Beal's got a higher potential. All right. Yeah. I feel like you just keep the keep them together at that rate. They do almost the same thing. All right. So just like I alluded to, let's go over an equivalently bad backcourt problem of John Wall and Bradley Beal. The good old hustle and flow. So uh, John Wall, as you know, has had a little bit of a chemistry problem with his team this year. They've had a little, just a little bit of a playoff collapse, too. So, fill me in on these Washington guys, because I'm going to be honest, I hardly ever watch them. 
Yeah, so obviously Walls had a big injury pro- uh, year this year. Uh, missed a lot of games, came back for the playoffs. Uh, scared Toronto, I think, a little bit. Um, ultimately uh, exited after six games. Um, but Wall, pretty pretty solid, uh, about 19 points a game and about nine, nine and a half assists. You can really count on him. And with Beal, he's coming off one of his better years. But again, that's because the workload was kind of shifted from Wall to Beal. Um, but he can still get you about 20 points a game, uh, four rebounds and three assists. So pretty solid backcourt, pretty good shooting guard. Um, both have pretty good value, I would think, in the league. A little bit better than uh, Lillard and McCollum. Uh, Beal's a little bit bigger in size, which I think helps. Um, and Wall has that explosive speed, which um, is just perfect for this era of pace and space. Um, so what do you think, Matt? Uh, Waller Beal, who probably has, like, who who should stay if, if they can't get along in Washington? Um, which one has to be the one to go? Which one, if you're, if you're Washington, which one do you want to build around? I don't know if it's built around as much as it is where what's a harder talent to come by i think beal is i think i keep beal if i'm not mistaken he's a little bit younger he can shoot threes he can score his defense isn't half bad while on the other hand can't shoot threes and there's a myriad of talented players yeah, really though. But it's like I feel like you can find a, a wall replacement. I feel like you can find, you know, I mean, look at um, look at Philly or Boston or some of these other great teams. They run without a very great point guard a lot. So I feel like you can get by with either find better surplus talent of point guards somewhere else, or uh, just reorient your system to maybe be kind of like Indiana where your point guard isn't really your best player. It's your two guard who ends up being more ball dominant. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I think uh wall would probably be, I think one, he has more trade value. Um, and I think, I think he's the one that they should trade or out there. Um, one, one destination could be New Orleans. Um, I think it's kind of good for both sides. Uh, in New Orleans, they get a, a pretty good point guard upgrade from Rondo. Um, as well as Wall, having that speed, it really complements uh, the the style of play uh, with Anthony Davis and that kind of run-and-gun offense, which we saw a lot of after Boogie went down. Maybe by Wall being there, maybe he can kind of get Boogie to kind of buy into the system and uh, really kind of uh, step up, you know, kind of kind of reach a new peak. Maybe that Kentucky uh, voodoo magic kind of plays out in New Orleans. Um, maybe, you know, to get Wall to come, uh, it might mean that Miritich, who had a really good run there uh, after the trade deadline, mm-hmm. uh, should go to Washington. And I think, Washington, I think that helps Washington, who really need the – the four, the power forward kind of front court area to, to kind of shore up. Um, what's your takes? I mean, you got a lot of you got a lot of ego there between uh, Beal and Wall and Boogie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of hot heads to deal with. Is Boogie's contract that's up for uh, up for renewal, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I would say that most likely. Uh, New Orleans will probably, I think they're like 90% gonna gonna take it up, um, but it might float them out just to see what the value is. So if you're Boogie but, and you know you've got an Achilles injury, you know that everyone's saying it's hard to come back from. People aren't gonna want to gamble on you. What if New Orleans's game plan is you kind of shortchange Boogie? And tell them, hey, we're going to pay you less money because we aren't sure, but we're going to get your best buddy John Wall over here to play with you. How does that sound? Sounds like a really good conspiracy. <laughs> I, li- I like it. I like it. It's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's a good deal for just everyone in New Orleans. 
Um, whether or not it really pans out in Washington, I don't really, I don't know, but I do think that Washington needs to flip wall for like a power forward anywhere. Um, I think that's kind of the deal like that we're gonna really like Miritich on this team. So if I was New Orleans, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I want to get Wall. I want to keep my core guys: Miritich, Drew, AD, Boogie, maybe like Solomon Hill. Um, I don't want to have to lose Rondo. And I know that sounds weird, but the the masterminding Rondo did in these clutch playoff games is not something you can find every day. Yeah, I think I think you say Rondo is like your twelfth man who then suddenly reappears like in the last like ten games of the season and the playoffs. I I like this maybe conspiracy though with the Achilles injury to get Wall. I, I like that idea. Now you also suggest here the Denver Knights. Oh, what what's the deal with that? Yeah, I think uh, this is mostly a play for Washington to get some bigs uh, on their roster. Uh, Denver has Paul Millsap, who can play, good vet, um, has a ton of playoff experience. Uh, not kind of his best here. Man, uh, they also have a good guard in Jamal Murray and Mason Plumley, who you know maybe given the right. Uh, the right playing system maybe can kind of show some of that potential that he had at Duke. I like the idea here of offloading a big because they do also have Kenneth Fareed, and I know he's kind of lost in the mix between all those bigs because he can't shoot. Um, however, I could see maybe you get like. Um, Maybe you get like Gary Harrison's trade somehow. Mm, maybe maybe you say, hey, we've got Jamal Murray. He's not really a point guard, so we'll just slot him over one and throw Wall in. And your lineup's like Wall, um, Wall Murray, Chandler, Millsap, uh, Jokic. Seems pretty good. Maybe you throw yeah, some read out with the mix. You keep Plunley as your backup big. He can pass pretty well. He's a white dude, so he fits in. Um, you've got... I can't remember the rest of their bench right now, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, with Denver, we're talking about a team that just barely playoffs. So give them wall, that might swing it like eight to ten games, you know? And that eight to ten games can give you like a you know, a solid seating in the West. And maybe, hey, if the Wizards also offload Beal, Gary Harris doesn't have bad consolation prize. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I think with Denver, it's, it's a matter of um, do they want to win now? Want to kind of take it slow, ride out these next kind of few years, and then go big maybe in like summer of 2020, 2021. That's true. They they could wait off a bit, and it kind of sucks that this season was a little bit of a throwaway with Paul Millsap's injury for so long. I'm pretty sure they could have made some decent. They probably could have gotten past the first round if they were. Yeah, I mean, they, the they have year. that kind of Utah vibe where mm -hmm. it's like they're just there. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, another place I I like is uh, San Antonio. Uh, maybe they just do a straight swap, Kawhi for John Wall. How do you think? How do you, how do you see that one? Oof. Oh man, it's a hard sell if you're the Spurs. But if if that, if I that... mean, maybe they get Wall and they get somebody else. Like maybe you get Wall and maybe Kelly Oubre, or maybe Wall and Otto Porter, uh, or maybe or maybe Morris. But I'm just more concerned Washington about make... whatever's going on in that Spurs meeting rooms with Kawhi and his family and the doctors and them. some bad mojo going on there could strike up a bad deal. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think for Washington and you have a, a play to try to get Kawhi, I think you go for it. Um, I think it kind of puts you back into that instant contender uh, in the East. Uh, talk. Um, if LeBron leaves Cleveland and goes west, I mean, the east is even more wide open. Um, I think for Kawhi, 
guy. It's nice that he could kind of uh, make it his own, um, as well as have an maybe easier path going through the grind in the West, coming off an injury. See, I'm not sure how well he, f- how well either of these players fit into the Spurs type of system, though. I feel like they're a little too dribbly, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. So maybe not wall. Maybe maybe they maybe don't throw a wall in a San Antonio. Would the Spurs have any interest in Beal though? I think that's probably where the better portion of this deal might lie. You got Danny Green as your starting shooting guard, and Manu might mm-hmm. be gone. You're gonna need some points there somehow. And if Kawhi's gone, you're gonna need someone to pick up the points. I think I think Beal would slot in better. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure if he can be the guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's kind of one of those where you, you you need a little bit more. Maybe you need like a third team kind of coming in. Uh, but I do think it, you know a deal can kind of be made um, where Washington gets some bigs. You know, they get some they get some forwards. And San Antonio gets a guard um, because Tony Parker, Manu, Patty Mills, Jante Murray, I believe, are their four, or Dan, Danny Green as well. Probably like their four or five different guards that they have on, on the roster. Um, I don't know if that's gonna get you through the West. Um, so I mean, you've got a chance at locking up a pretty good. Guard and either Wall or Beal, um, but yeah, maybe there's just a third team that has to get done. Yeah, I'd agree um, with you on that. So let's do the same deal we did last time. This time, Philly. Do we do Fultz somehow in the steal? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not. I'm not convinced Fultz is uh, useless. I think he's. I think he's still there. Um, I just don't know if it's going to work out with him in Philly. Um, the focus is going to be on developing Ben Simmons. Uh, which may come at the cost of Fultz. Um, so maybe if, I think Fultz has to kind of look elsewhere. And this kind of makes no sense. And I think it might actually kill Washington. But imagine a Fultz and John Wall backcourt. Absolutely, like, zero ability to shoot. Oh, my gosh. They could probably drive to the hole every game. It really, you know, the, the, these two teams' deals only make sense if Beal goes to Philly. I feel like that's the only good thing for Philly to get. I feel like Washington's got to get, like, Sarch and Redick. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know if I wouldn't be against taking that deal. I really like Sarch, though. So maybe you get, like, Ilyasova, Bolts, and Redick. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh... I that's feel like that's not a bad bargain. Setup. I feel like that that's not an awful bargain. I don't I'm not sure if it works out with the money, but helps both teams. Oops. Yeah, I think Philly gets with Beal, I think he get a little bit bigger in the backcourt. Um, which I think you know, kinda helps uh when it comes down to defense and yeah. playoffs and um, you know, if Keaton McConnell comes in, I mean he's gonna get he's gonna get picked on. Um and I think for Washington, it helps to, you know, kind of shore up that that, that four spot. Um, all right, let's let's move a little south and go to Miami. Uh, do you see anything that could possibly work out? Uh, I mean, you got some trouble in Washington between those two guards, and you got some trouble out there in Miami with Whiteside. Um, perhaps both can alleviate some frustrations by. How do you say it going? You know, funny enough, it works out perfectly if you go Beal for Whiteside straight up. Sweet. <laughs> I, I'm that's ugh, I'm I'm sure if I trust Whiteside. I that's the problem with that deal to me, is like is Whiteside just like uh a, 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 a mini Dwight? Like is he just gonna comically joke out of games on me like what's going on with him i i don't know he he always just seems really angry to be in miami um and i don't know if that's because of the pattern 
Riley Spolstra, um, you, you know, like work ethic that really has to be put in. Um, Scott Brooks probably taking a bit easier on him. Um, but Whiteside just kind of seems like he doesn't want to be there, so he's just not going to play. So maybe a change of setting gets him going again. Uh, I do like Beal uh, kind of complimenting Goran Dragic, though. I think that's a nice uh, kind of one-two punch. Well, they had Dion Waiters, who was like their leading scorer for the first couple months of the season at that same spot. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think Dion Waiters, he's, I think he's got a lot of a, a bad rap just because of the whole like heat checking mentality. Um, so maybe maybe you got to package him in a deal. Maybe 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 it's like bigger than just uh, Beal and Whiteside. Maybe you, you do like a huge package deal where we're sending guys from all over from Washington for a ton of guys in Miami, and you just start flipping some of this team around. So remember Dion Waiters. Uh, gets shipped up with Wall, you know, to play with Wall. Um, you know, maybe maybe you add another team in this mix. I could see kind a three-team deal in here. Yeah, I feel like this would be a bigger, like, blockbuster deal than a, than a straight-up, like, um, wide set for Beal. You also got to remember, these, you know, Miami and Washington have a little bit of bad rap going on with the previous playoff games and intense regular season games, so... Whoever plays first in the opposing crowd is going to get some mean Mr. Comments. Oh, yes. Speaking of places to be mean about, let's go to Sacramento. What is going to happen on with the Kings? This would be my ultimate dream. The Kings trade the number two pick for John Wall. I would absolutely love this deal. I think it pulls the Kings out of abject misery and i think washington can use this to draft luka Doncic to play their point and i would like to see a Doncic beal backcourt as well as uh john wall uh maybe darren fox backcourt in sacramento couple problems here one is <laughs> Does Doncic do the, oh, I don't want to come over thing if the Wizards nah, pick him number not. two? Nah, money. <laughs> if, okay. he know, he, if he knows he's going to Washington, he might actually come over even faster. I think, I think money's enough to entice uh, Luca to come to the States. Second problem, who the hell shoots threes on the Kings besides anybody? We don't need them. You, you don't need threes. Last night... Harden went 0 for 11 from the three. You don't need threes to get to the NBA Finals. Okay, so Buddy Heal's your only three-point shooter. Um, Darren Fox is really fast, by the way. Like, So is John Wall. Just put them together, dude. They both are really fast and can only do layups and dunks. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Okay, I would just make sure. nothing else. <laughs> if nothing else, it makes the Kings fun. It would make them fun, especially when Sacramento decides to move locations to Seattle. Ooh. John Wall, Pierre Fox, Super Speedy, the Supersonics. I like the I, idea, but I don't think Sacramento ever loses an NBA team with a new stadium. <laughs> Maybe you get Boogie back this way. Maybe that's the ultimate goal. It'd be amazing. All right, and then the ever-present trade heroes, the LA Clippers. I feel like these are a bunch of the similar deals that could have gone on with uh, with the Trailblazers. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you're the Clippers, uh, you know, Chris Paul is out, Blake Griffin's left. DeAndre is kind of the third guy in the nucleus. I mean, JJ's already gone too, so that that. Nucleus, all that remains is DeAndre. Um, I think while he still has some value, get something for him that you can kind of uh, build around a little bit more. Um, so I, I, I think you ship out DeAndre to uh, Washington for uh, Beal. Um, and maybe you got to get Otto Porter Jr. Calibre pick. I don't know. I... Maybe if you're the Clippers here, you offload your old guys for 
Washington's young guys and whatever picks they have, and you just go kind of rebuild mode. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the Clippers can kind of play this with a Boston kind of mentality where we kind of got this like three-pronged approach where we're trying to rebuild. Uh, we're also trying to, to contend for playoff contention um, as well as get a like a like a like a max you know super max um star um so i think if you ship out deandre and and that money and maybe you uh sacrifice someone like buys harris who's you know a pretty good youngster but um while he's got some while he has this value i think you kind of package him away maybe you bring in beal maybe you go out and you end up do getting Kawhi. You know, Kawhi, Beal, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly. Um, you know, maybe now we're talking. You know, I'm not against the Clippers just trying to grab as many picks as they can and then hoping that a big person comes along and maybe LeBron trades and the Cavs get like four picks out of it or something. Who knows? Um, I've got some hot and fast trades here for you. Oh, great. John Wall. Or Damian Lillard, straight up. Uh, no, no, not taking it. I think Lillard has proven with the first team. I agree. Here's an interesting one, and it depends if LeBron stays. But Bradley Beal and Mike Scott for Kevin Love and Rodney Hood. Uh, yeah, if LeBron stays in Cleveland, I'll take it. I think it's good even if LeBron leaves. Consistent scoring, yeah, consistent scoring, man. It's actually just garbage on your team for some reason. We already talked about Beal for Whiteside, so I'll pass over that one. Now, here's a cool one. I haven't talked about the Knicks recently, but what do you think about Bradley Beal and Mahimi for Hardaway and Cantor? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. If the Knicks are going to try and make a move for a, a star in the next year or two, I don't like it. Say if Porzingis was guaranteed healthy, I might consider it, but without him there. Trade Kristaps for Kawhi. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Beal is an L.A. guy. So what if he goes to the Lakers to offload some bad contracts like IT4 or Luol Deng or Brooke Lopez? I would say yes, just because I would love to see IT4 get into a fight with John Wall and both get assessed like text somehow. Like the two teammates that both get assessed text. Like that'd be that'd be fantastic. I would love to see And Scott Brooks just on the side, like, you know, just like shrugging it. Like I don't know how to do I don't know how to fix this. I, I think uh Markeith would just kill him before he even got Oh yeah, know, throw it on Morris brother. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this deal. Alright, last one. Uh and this one will probably work for the Spurs. Uh, Bradley Beal for Gasol and Rudy Gay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, I think he gives you an upgrade at the guard, which can't pass up for San Antonio. I like Especially that trade, too. Leaves. I think Gasol's yeah. on his way out. Give him one year in Wizards Town, and then he's gone. I think that's yeah, a... I, think, I think Gasol's on his retirement uh, cruise already. That's all the 2K trades that I had researched before this episode. Surprisingly enough, not so bad, really. Um, Money-wise, they make sense. Uh, Logic-wise, I'd say they're about 50% okay. Cool. I mean, we got GMs like Michael Jordan, so <laughs> we'll be fine. Sam Presti. <laughs> all right, so before we uh, wrap up today, what is your favorite trade that we talked about today uh i mean it's got to be that sacramento john wall luka Doncic. i mean that would just be amazing to watch as a fan that'd be pretty good i think my my favorite is a, is a tie i'd say for the portland bros i think the the Charlotte or the Indiana trade would be interesting. Ooh, yeah, I do like that. I, I like think that. for the Washington Bros, the uh, I that Beal for like Lopez and Dang trade is very interesting to me. Yeah, I think anything that helps the East 
that helps Washington. I think anything that helps the East um, is a win. Again, you know, time will tell. Maybe I, not against the Beal Reddick Ilyasova trade too. Very interesting stuff going on. Potentially. Yeah, it's weird that Philly and the Clippers are kind of in this uh, driving position for the off season um, when you know ten months ago nobody was possibly thinking about being in these places. Yeah, we're about to have a very sneaky dark horse kind of off season it'll be one of LeBron, those where it all LeBron's just... gonna sign man lebron's gotta sign somewhere early july he's gonna make his decision where all these nails fall you know they'll just start running down the line like dominoes as soon as like lebron says anything lebron just retires <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's uh that's all the nba shenanigans we've got for you today I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hard in the Paint, episode three. You can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, if I ever upload it in time. And, of course, you can email us your questions, comments, concerns in the description below. And with that said, we will catch you guys next time for some more Eastern-Western Finals recaps and uh, maybe some more off-season shenanigans. Gonna hit the hit the pot before it boils type deal. Alright, have a great Friday everybody.